One of the problems is artificially created or manipulated images, audio, and video, because it's becoming easier to manipulate different media, and our news cycle is getting even faster. Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. I'm Sophia Bush. And I'm Austin Craig. This podcast explores the real-life people, teams, and technologies that are solving society's most serious problems. Right now, all across the globe, there are a handful of people crazy enough to believe that they can solve our biggest dilemmas with data. If we're going to find solutions, we have to know where to look. And as more and more of our lives are digitized, even more of those answers can be found in the data all around us. What if the answers to humanity's biggest problems were hidden in plain sight? This season of Hidden in Plain Sight is brought to you exclusively by our friends at Splunk, the data to everything platform. Splunk helps organizations worldwide turn data into doing. It's time for data to be more than a record of what happened. It's time to make things happen. Learn more at splunk.com or by clicking the link in our show notes. Let's play a game called Real News or Fake News. I read a few headlines. You tell me if they're actual headlines from reputable news outlets or if they're entirely falsified clickbait. Ready? Here we go. CNN on verge of collapse as ratings plunge 20%. What do you think? Real or fake headline? This one is totally 100% false. This fake headline about a real news outlet faltering was retweeted over 13,000 times by armchair skeptics on Twitter. And according to researchers, most of those tweets were by real accounts, not just spam bots. Next headline, passenger allowed onto flight after security confiscates his bomb. You've been through airport security. This has to be fake, right? Turns out this one is entirely true. A Canadian teen was allowed to continue through security after a homemade explosive was taken from his bag. He said he made it with friends for fun months earlier and forgot it was there. A security guard even tried to hand the explosive back to the passenger after inspecting it. The teen refused, and afterward several security officers were suspended. Next headline. Former First Lady Barbara Bush dies at 92. So, real or fake? This one was fake, until it wasn't. You see, this story was circulated widely, over 2.2 million engagements on Facebook, when it was published just one day before Barbara Bush actually passed away. So the story was entirely false when it was published and widely shared, but the headline became true just a day later. And that's the thing about so-called fake news stories. They can not only be hard to identify, but the lies can also be laced with facts and half-truths. In the end, it's hard to even know what the term fake news means exactly. So let's unpack that phrase a little bit because oftentimes what we're talking about when we talk about disinformation or influence operations is neither news nor entirely fake. That's Dan Kaiserling, the chief operating officer at Jigsaw, a project from Google's parent company, Alphabet. One of the features of disinformation campaigns around the world is coordinated, inauthentic activity. And what I mean by that is 
you have 10,000 accounts on some social media platform all saying roughly the same thing, all at roughly the same time, all directed at a specific target. Very often that's not because 10,000 people had the same idea at the exact same time. It is manipulated. It's coordinated and inauthentic. So the reason why we study that and we try to understand coordinated and authentic behavior is to try to detect it at scale. This specifically does not get into a question of whether the information that they're sending is valid or whether it's true. It's really a statement on how people are using platforms in a way that they weren't designed to be used. While the term fake news is problematic, here are the things we're definitely not talking about when we use the phrase. It's not when a mainstream journalistic enterprise makes a factual error. It's not when tabloids report a celebrity is secretly a space alien. It's not satirical media produced for honest laughs. Fake news is when messages are maliciously distributed and amplified by bad actors intent on confusing, deceiving, and stoking division and distrust. So first things first, who makes fake news? The first guilty party are governments engaged in information warfare. On October 7th, 2016, one month before the U.S. presidential election, the Department of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence issued a joint statement. 17 intelligence agencies concluded that hackers backed by the Russian government had infiltrated the Democratic National Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and campaign officials associated with Hillary Clinton, notably Chairman John Podesta. The hackers leaked information and data strategically in an effort to create distrust and confusion, and they succeeded. It's something that Molly McHugh has followed closely. Molly is a foreign policy and strategy consultant specializing in Russia's use of disinformation campaigns. Just after Obama was elected, that was really the first election where you saw a campaign uh, understand how to use social media as a mobilization tool. So you saw the Russians paying attention to this. What is this? How did it work? You know, as you rolled into the Arab Spring and there was more about social media, the Twitter revolution in Moldova, other things that were happening, Russians were paying a lot of attention to what is this? How do we do it? What is micro-targeting? You know, what are all these things that we're now more focused on? McHugh focuses on Russia, where misinformation is a favorite tool of the government. But misinformation campaigns happen across the political spectrum and occur all over the world. The targeting tools of the modern web are so effective that bad actors everywhere use personal data to choreograph influence campaigns. You know, there was this time period where you sort of printed a bunch of leaflets and spread them around a neighborhood and hoped that people saw them or the, the equivalent of specific magazines or journalistic outlets that you were trying to get information in or groups that you were targeting. And it took a really long time. And now you can do that in a very careful, very specific sort of data targeted way where you know what you want to talk to is, you know, 15 to 24 year olds who are really interested in super left wing environmental causes, who read specific websites, who buy certain items, because you know that those are people who don't like the US government very much, right? Like you can figure out very specific groups that you want to target with information that leverages them in certain ways. The next guilty party spreading misinformation are internet trolls. And it's not just trolls having a laugh at the misfortune of others, though there are plenty of those too. We're talking about trolls with a bottom line. The small Macedonian town of Valais, 
may seem like an unlikely center of influence in a U.S. presidential election. But that's where more than 140 individual fake news sites were set up, managed and filled with misinformation, fabricated to be as outrageous as possible. The authors and operators were often teens who individually have no interest in U.S. politics. What they do care about is getting clicks that turn into views that turn into money from ads. These are trolls with quotas, and certain ad networks will provide ad dollars even if the content you're publishing is a lie. Let's track an example of what the life cycle of misinformation might look like. Russian hackers target prominent Democratic Party members. They gain access to John Podesta's email via targeted spear phishing attacks that lure Podesta or his aides to enter his password. With his password in hand, hackers gather as much private data as possible and share with WikiLeaks or other groups to publish. That publication creates a flurry of media coverage from both legitimate journalistic sources as well as malicious actors like the Macedonian click-farming teens. Their content gets repurposed and repackaged by more trolls who simply enjoy the chaos. All of it is reshared many thousands of times by automated botnets set up by click farms or propagandistic governments. Those stories are consumed and shared further by earnest Americans who distrust established media and government. So how does anyone unravel this? How do you solve the problem of fake news? Back to Dan Kaiserling from Jigsaw. We are a unit with an alphabet that uses technology to make the world safer. We're a group of researchers, technologists, engineers, and a variety of other sort of interdisciplinary capabilities that tackle some of the toughest problems facing technology in the world. Everything from censorship to extremist group recruiting to harassment online to cyber attacks and more. Jigsaw started in 2010 as an effort within Google to better understand the intersection of technology and geopolitics. Misinformation has been a problem as long as people have been communicating, but it's taken new significance in a world where traditional journalism has declined. People increasingly get information via social media, where content is narrowly targeted at individuals based on their specific personal data, like browsing history, geographic location, group affiliation, and more. Really what Jigsaw has been doing is trying to understand the, the architecture of disinformation around the world. So how does an influence operation work? That's things like identifying wedge issues, controversial issues. It's issues that are likely to stoke division, fear. It's about building a strong online presence. There isn't and likely won't ever be a simple turnkey solution to the problem of misinformation. But as Dan Kaiserling points out, there are ways to use data to quickly identify coordinated disinformation attacks. There are ways for technology to make it easier to detect coordinated inauthentic behavior. There are increasingly ways for technology to detect the manipulation of media. So if an image or if a video has been manipulated, there is a whole field of study of trying to identify that, to identify sort of algorithmically the signals that suggest that a piece of media has been manipulated. This is obviously a really big growing field of study. As the technology for creating synthetic media improves, um, so too has the detection capabilities. 
that's a little bit the cat and mouse game that we were talking about earlier. You kind of have to be vigilant. You have to stay at the state of the art of the threat to make sure that your solutions are durable. We are still in the process of confronting these issues and trying to design solutions that not only address the issue, but are durable and will evolve as as we evolve and as the internet evolves and as the way that we share information evolves. So we don't want to design a solution that works for the problem that we had a year ago, but that immediately becomes obsolete because the pace of change and innovation on the internet is just so high. When confronting the proliferation of coordinated inauthentic behavior, there's a lot of data to sort through. In 2018, one notable researcher, Jonathan Albright at Columbia University, uncovered a cluster of over 9,000 conspiracy-focused videos linked together as related videos on YouTube that had been shared hundreds of thousands of times, racking up almost 4 billion views. And that staggering number is just one cluster of videos on one platform, a sliver of the whole problem spread across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Reddit, blogs, Instagram, and more. Thankfully, Jigsaw has the computational capacity to at least start deconstructing and understanding the problem. When an algorithm detects thousands of accounts, most of them created in the past year, most of them following each other, all tweeting or tagging a specific journalist using similar disparaging language and the same hashtag, those data points raise a giant red flag at Jigsaw. We're sharing the information that we have with other platforms so that we're all working from the same set of information. Depending on what kind of content, there are really rigid systems, for example, for sharing terrorist content or violent extremist content. There are really well-practiced systems for sharing child abuse content. Uh, Disinformation, this is sort of a growing and emerging field. We very frequently share information with other tech platforms and have conversations with them about how they're thinking about the issue, how we can share information to be helpful with each other. We're all facing this problem. This is a societal problem. This is not at all a competitive issue among tech companies. Jigsaw has frequently shared leads when we detect an influence operation that is also present on other platforms. We'll share that information with those platforms. And very often they take the steps, whether it's taking down accounts that violate their terms of service or just learning a little bit more about how these operations work. I think that the the struggle around control over information in general is pretty enduring. It predates the internet, certainly, but it, it predates technology in general. But I think that this will be a constant ongoing struggle as the ways that we consume and share information continue to change in, frankly, amazing and dazzling and really useful ways. In some ways, I hope it will be an ongoing conversation because the technology that informs how we continue to have access to the world's information continues to change in amazing ways. And we ought to constantly have the conversation of how we can make ourselves safer in that context, how we can be responsible about how we share information and how we can make sure that people have all the information that they need to make smart choices in their lives. Chess champion and civil rights advocate Gary Kasparov said, 
quote, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. The agents of chaos in the world have more tools than ever to exhaust the critical thinking of web audiences today. But through the work of Jigsaw and others, identifying the patterns of inauthentic, coordinated activity can help all of us preserve our limited attention and uncover truths critical to understanding what's really happening in the world around us. Misinformation isn't new, and it would be a mistake to think that any technology could single-handedly cure sociological conflict. But tools and technologies to red-flag inauthentic behavior are an invaluable help allowing much more good-faith moderation than humans alone ever could. News consumers still need to be skeptical, especially of unfamiliar sources. Recent research suggests that digital natives, the generation that grew up with the web, are in fact more discerning than older viewers. It will take time, but the combined efforts of new tools and greater media literacy might make it possible for us to more readily find the lies amid the truth, hidden in plain sight. I'm Sophia Bush, and you've been listening to Hidden in Plain Sight from Mission.org. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Splunk, the Data to Everything platform. In today's data-driven world, every company, big or small, new or old, is sitting on terabytes of unused, untapped, and unknown data. Splunk helps turn all that data into action. Using cutting-edge AI and machine learning, Splunk delivers real-time predictive insights that will help you on your mission to change the world. With solutions for IT, security, Internet of Things, and business operations, Splunk empowers people to make faster, better decisions and take action to get things done. It's time for our data to be more than a record of what happened. It's time to make things happen. Check it out at Splunk.com.